Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm so glad you're here this morning. Take a moment and get your Bible out and uh, pad a paper and a pen if you so desire. I think it's so important for us as a group of people that are trying to live by the scriptures that we write things down while uh, I'm sharing a little lesson with you because the hope is that I'm not the only one talking. Uh, you know that little dull roar you hear in the room? Those are all our beautiful children. It should be just that way. But then also the Holy Spirit hopefully will be speaking to you as we go through this uh, process. I just want to encourage you uh, to come tonight. It's going to be, it's always a really, really fun time. And uh, witnessing the miracle of baptism is an incredible thing. And so um, why don't you turn in your Bibles here as we look to the scripture and let's go to Matthew chapter 6. 19. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. As most of you know, we've been, uh, we've been enjoying a series called In the First Place, Priorities for Life. And uh, we've, been, we've been studying how God's word gives us understanding of how our lives should be ordered, of what we should be doing with our lives and what we should really do to make God first in our lives, to put him in the first place. And so the first week we talked about how we're spiritual beings and how we should understand that if we will invest in our lives spiritually, we're not, we're not just here on, on the earth sort of in our physical bodies, uh, you know, we're, we're actually spirits that will last forever. And there's a spiritual investment that all, each of us make. And if you choose to make your spiritual life grow, here in this temporary life that we're having, if you'll invest in that spiritual life, you'll find out that this is the best year of your life. You know, all of us make these New Year's resolutions, right? And we say, okay, we were a little dissatisfied with last year. Last year wasn't too good, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and this and this and this, and I'm going to make it really happen. Of course, the problem with that is you make these resolutions, but you don't understand how to do it because you know why you can't do it? You know why it ends, these resolutions end about January 29th <laughs> or, or sometime in February is because our values haven't changed. You got to change your values. Invest in God's life that's in you. And so we talked about that and how important that is. Then we, next week we talked about how the order is important. Turn to your name and say the order is important. The order of your life, what you do first actually matters. What you do first has an implication for your life. And we, we demonstrated that by using those big rocks. If you were here, you know, we put those big rocks in the jar first as our priorities and then poured everything else, all those little rocks around them, making sure that our lives are actually prioritized correctly. And then the next week we did uh, so, something to articulate the value of love in this process. Here's what I want to say to you. If you try to do the right thing without the motivation of love, it becomes empty. If you don't understand how this is a, 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 an act of love, how prioritizing your life is an act of love towards God, if you don't understand that love is the fuel, loving God and loving people helps you to get your priorities right, it's really, really hard because you're just doing it by your own will. You're just trying to become a good person. But God's love, when it begins to flow through you, when you understand this motivation, 
When you understand that love is part of the process, it is a beautiful, wonderful thing. And then last week, of course, we talked about family. We talked about how the family is God's first classroom for life, right? It's where you learn all the all the things that we need to know about who we are and how to share and love and fight fair. That's a that's a uh, an illustration, God, our family is an illustration of God's attempt to show us how to live. And so we need to prioritize our family, not because our family needs to be first, but because we need God first in our family. The, it's, it's his design to cause our family to be able to teach us the lessons we need to know. That's how God uh, made us and how put us in families. And so um, today we're going to talk about a subject from the scriptures, and we're going to talk about the idea of first fruits First fruits. You can, you can write that on your piece of paper. First fruits. You're like, I don't, you know, I enjoy fruit, but I'm not sure what that means. I'm going to tell you what this means. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you in the scriptures how God uses what we give him to understand what place he holds in our lives. Now, as soon as I start talking about money and possessions, you know, there's walls all over the room. Oh, I've heard this sermon before. You know, and, and somehow, uh, when we talk about money, we can talk about all kinds of other things. You can talk about family, you can talk about your career, you can talk about your relationships. You can, but then when you get to the subject of money, it gets really touchy. And so I want to encourage you just to open up your heart, open up your mind. I believe that our money, and Jesus is going to tell us here in just a moment, he's gonna, I'm going to read what he said about how impacting our money and possessions are on our lives. That money and possessions is a huge deal to God. And, and here's the thing. Do you think God needs more of your stuff? <laughs> you think that's what, you think, no, he doesn't need your, he doesn't need what you have. He owns it all. But something about money and possessions really makes a, an imprint on your heart. In fact, did you know there are more than 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer? And almost 500 verses concerning faith. Guess how many are in the Bible? How many verses in the Bible about money and possessions? Over 2,000. More than 2,000. She came to the first service. <laughs> More than 2,000 verses, over 2,000 verses in the Bible about money and possessions. Why is that? Is that because God needs your stuff? No, it's because he knows how you're wired. And money and possessions are something that get a grip on our heart and don't let go. They keep us from putting God in the first place many times. That position of authority and influence in our lives. And listen, I know some of you, you've, you, you've heard messages on this before, and I don't want you to close down now. I want you to open up and I want you to listen. Because here's what I believe. When we receive an offering in this place, it is not a business transaction between you and the church. Every square one, every month, I talk about this in our uh, growth track, all right? And I, talk, I teach people about how this works. It's not a business transaction between the church and you. No, your offering is worship between you and God. It's, I, I don't want anything from you as a pastor, I want something for you. And I would not be a good pastor if I didn't cover this particular idea, this particular influence in each one of our lives. You know, there's a group of people that are consumed with money that they have. 
They have all this money and they're consumed by it. And then there's another group of people that are consumed with the money they don't have. <laughs> they're just consumed by that, the problem. What God wants is he wants your heart. He wants to be in that first place. And how you deal with your money and possessions, how you do with either side of the scale, determines a lot about how you live and where God places in your life. And so Jesus, listen to this, Jesus talked about money. He had 38 parables that he told that are recorded in the scriptures. 38 parables. Parables are, are little teachings that Jesus did. And as he was talking to the crowds, guess how many of those? 16. 16 out of 38 parables are about money and possessions. Clearly, Jesus is interested in what we do with our money. So I want to read a passage to you. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. It says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths, and, where moths eat and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. <laughs> I love this because what Jesus is saying is there's a better investment than your bank account. <laughs> There's an ironclad. It's better than any social security system. There's something here that he's saying, I want you to think about your treasures, not, not the treasures necessarily of earth, but here's, here's the kicker. Here's the last phrase. Here's what's so defining. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Whatever you treasure, that's where your heart's going to gravitate to. Money can grab a hold of you, each one of us. It can take precedence in our life, even above our relationship with God. The greatest measure, the greatest test of your heart, you know what it is? Is what you do with your treasure. The greatest test of your heart, the greatest measure of your, of your heart is what you do with the treasure that God gives you. Listen, how we handle our money reveals volumes about our priorities and about our loyalties, and about our affections. Let me say that again. How we handle our money reveals volumes about our priorities, our loyalties, and our affections. You're thinking to yourself, you're, you're going you're gonna to talk about law and all that stuff, you know, from the Bible, and do that one Malachi scripture, you know, that talks about how we got to bring the tithe into the storehouse. Yeah, that's a good scripture, actually. It's very important for us to understand. But I'm not going to start there. And I'm going to start 2,500 years before the law was even given and show you that this is a big idea that transcends law. It, it's, it's much greater than law. It's about love. And I want to show you this. Turn over to Genesis chapter 4, verse 2. Turn to Genesis 4, verse 2, and I'll show you this in one of the first stories in the Bible. All the way to the beginning, four chapters in, verse 2. All right, you go with me. All the way back to the front, and we're going to read verse 2. Here's what it says. It says, now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. All right, so, so Cain was a farmer, and Abel was a shepherd. All right? So here we are. He says, in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits. Now, you should take your, take your pen and underline that phrase, in the course of time, because that's going to be important to us to understand what this Bible is saying. Understand, in the course of time, because what it means is, over, it kind of says, it describes over a period of time. 
Over a period of time, Cain decided to bring some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. So he's bringing something to God. And he's, he's, he's grown up some, some fruit. He's harvested the fruit. He's, he's done that over a period of time. And now he's deciding to give some to God. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn. Don't let fat portions throw you off. It essentially just means the animals themselves in, in a sacrificial way. He brought some of the fat portions from some of the firstborn. Key phrase right there. Key word. Circle that firstborn. Firstborn of the flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. So he looks with favor on what Abel brings him. But on Cain and his offering... He did not look with favor. And this is the story where Cain gets so angry because of God's favor to his brother. He gets so jealous that he actually kills him. Have you ever seen anybody so obsessed with money, with their possessions, something that they have, that they're willing to go to great lengths, even destroy other people to have it? It's amazing how that gets a hold of us. In this passage, one of the first stories in the Bible, I think what we can see is that God did not look on with favor on Cain's offering. And it's not that big of a deal. Actually, God, in the story, he tells Cain, he says, look, if you do what's right, it'll be okay. Just, just do the right thing, and then everything will be fine. Don't let this get a hold of you. But it gripped him, and it drove him. And what I think we learn from this passage is that God looked with favor on Abel because he took what was born, the firstborn, and then he sacrificed it with no guarantee of what was to come. You know, that's the problem. That's the struggle with giving something first before you know if it's going to produce more. <laughs> so he gave the firstborn versus over a period of time just giving a little bit out of what you've received. There's a power here. There's a, there's a truth here. And as I've learned this scripture as I've learned the truth of this passage over several years, it, I, I realize that there's something powerful that happens when we choose to get up in the morning and give the first of our day to God. Now, I, I'm kind of a late night guy, and reading the Bible late at night is a good thing. It's nothing wrong with that. But there's something really powerful about setting the tone and direction of your day when you wake up and you, you take the scriptures and you begin to read them to focus yourself something powerful about that, about reading the Bible before the lucky charms. I know, I want to get up and go right for the lucky charms. Ooh, I love lucky charms. But right now, over the last several weeks, as we've been uh, reading our daily Bible, you know, the one-year Bible, and I've been taking my iPhone, which is right on my bed table, and in the morning, when I wake, first thing when I wake up, I unplug it, and I take it, and I scroll through to my, to my app called YouVersion, you version, you can download it on your iPhone or your Android or whatever, and you, you, I, I, I go there, and it has my reading for the day. It's all marked out, and I, and I hit it, and it comes right up, and then I do something really cool. I push the little speaker on it, and a voice reads it to me. I love it. And so I'm there. I haven't even gotten out of bed yet, and I put that thing right, I put my phone right down on my chest, and I push play, and it reads the Bible to me, and I listen. I get it in me, first thing. There's a power to that. It sets a direction. It's a big idea in Scripture that if you look, you, it goes all through the Scriptures. The reason, listen, the reason we 
set aside our first week of this year as a church. Do you remember that? We did what was called first week. And we met here every day for noon prayer. And we met each night and worshiped God. It was our way as a church of saying, God, we give this first week to you because we want the whole year consecrated. We set our tone for you this year. We give up food. We, so many of you fasted. We give up food. We give up our normal schedule. We choose to give to you first in this year. I've, I've practiced this with my finances for many years. Any compensation that I receive, anything that Amy and I get into our house, we choose to make sure that the first of whatever comes in is given to God. It's a powerful idea. It expresses such trust. I think that's really the point of it, is in our money and possessions, not being willing for that to grip our hearts and our lives and to let go and to say, God, I trust you. And here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. It's, it says something to God. It's, it demonstrates something to him. It's not just thinking nice thoughts about God. Oh, yeah, I kind of like God. You know, he's, he's a good guy, and I believe he created everything, and it's really, it's awesome. You know, he's good, and he helps me when I'm in trouble, and, you know, all that stuff. No, it's something beyond that. It's not just knowing about God. It's actually saying something to him about where he fits in your life. And money's one of the hardest places to make sure that you articulate that. So I want to, I want to, I want to highlight these three ideas for you, all right? Write these down. Number one, you know, God must be first. This is primary. This is the point. God must be first in everything. Not, not just in money, but in everything. You know, it's so incredible to watch God cause favor to rest upon your life. I can tell you, my wife and I, our lives have been favored by God. We get provision from who knows where. It, we can't figure it out, but I know that this, living this principle actually causes favor to live on us. You're sitting around here. I want you to take a moment. I want you to look around at the people around you. Just take a moment and look at them. Just look at them. No, don't, don't turn away as soon as you meet their eyes. Actually look at them and see them. Just, just take a minute and look, look at these people. Turn around. Look at some people in the back. Look at that. Look. Look at these people. Can I just tell you? Okay, now look back at me. Can I tell you that this is a miracle? What you're witnessing right here is a miracle from God. I remember the first money that came in to us as a church. We didn't even have an account yet. We didn't even have, we, we, we didn't have, we weren't even incorporated. We were nothing. We just, it was money that people were giving towards the vision of one chapel. I wasn't, I hadn't even moved here yet. And people gave it. And I am so committed to this idea that I took 10% of that money and I gave it to missionaries around the globe because I wanted our first thing as a church, before you were even part of it, to be that this isn't about us. That we believe in what you want to do in the earth and we're going to give our lives to it. It said something to God. And I believe his favor has been on our church over and over again. Unexplainable. I'm so grateful for it. God's got to be first. Look, and it's not because he's so hung up, all right? It's not because God's so hung up on himself. Hey, I got to have the first place. No, you know, so many people think it's about religion, some kind of ritual. God's got to be first. No, it's out of his relationship. It's not religion. It's relationship with you. He wants to know you. Look what he says here as he says the first commandment, right? The first of ten. 
Here's what he starts with, the big one. Here it is, Exodus chapter 20. I'm just going to put it up on the screen. You can read it with me. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. That's not a, that's not a power play. That is a love relationship that he wants from us. Okay, okay, imagine it. Imagine it, okay? 20 years ago, my wife walked down an aisle of a church, and I was standing there. I was standing there on this side, and I watched her come down in a beautiful wedding gown, and she looked hot. <laughs> she was beautiful. It was amazing. It was awesome. And she walked down that aisle, and then her dad was walking her down, and then he growled at me and then gave her to me. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. And, and so we stood there. We stood there in front of the pastor, and she, started, she said some vows to me. And those vows, essentially she was saying, as she went through it, it was pretty formal, but she was saying, three and a half billion other guys on the planet, you're number one. You're the man. Do you think that made me feel good? It made me feel great. Imagine if I would have said my vows back to her and said, oh, sweetheart, three and a half billion women on the planet, and you're number two. Yeah, what? that's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. But sometimes that's how we treat God. Listen, he's not asking you to do anything he hasn't done himself. He gave Jesus to you before he had any hope that you would respond. He gave his first and his best. His only son. The Bible calls him the firstborn among many brothers. Jesus was the first one to be born again. And God gave him. He gave him. In, in a way, Jesus is God's tithe to us. And he has faith that will respond to him. He's not asking you to do anything he hasn't done himself. And so this is so important that we get this. He's jealous for relationship with you. He's jealous for relationship with you. He wants your affections, and he wants you to have his affections. That's what this is about. Secondly, we put God first by giving him the first of everything. Giving him the first of everything. Look at Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. A tithe of everything from the land whether gain, grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. Circle that phrase right there if you're following me in your Bible. You probably aren't. I went pretty fast there. I, I want you to say this, belongs to the Lord. Say it one more time. He's saying a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Deuteronomy 14, verse 23. Look at this, this verse. In the Living Bible, here's what it says. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first, in first place in your life. It reveals your priorities. And so he says, always put God in first place. What the what, uh, NIV says, to learn to fear the Lord above all else. And here's the really powerful, powerful idea. I want you to see this as, as part of this idea. God must be first. We, put, we get, put God first by giving him the first of everything, and then the first has the power to bless the rest. 
This is an incredible principle in the scripture. The first thing that you give, when you consecrate what you have to God, it blesses everything that comes after. And we see this all throughout the scripture. You think about what God did when he asked for the firstborn. Firstborn animal, firstborn son. Do you remember the story of the Passover when Israel was in Egypt? All those Israelites were in Egypt and the, and the, the final plague came across where the firstborn son was going to be taken, and what, what did God say to them? He said, just take, take an a, a unblemished lamb, and I want, you to, I want you to take the blood from that lamb, and I want you to put it over your door. That's thus the Passover. The angel of death passed over all of those firstborn sons. There was something about consecrating those sons to God. And so they, so they, so they were saved. So they were they were able to live. Now, the first has the power to bless the rest. Look at this, Proverbs, 30, Proverbs 3, verse 6, all right? In all your ways, acknowledge him. Hey, we're not just talking about money here. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're not just talking about money. It's about everything. It's about everything. But it's about everything. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In everything. But also in your money and possessions. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all, notice that word again, there it is, first fruits. Firstborn, first fruit. This tithe is a big deal to God. Look at, look at circle that little word, first fruits. With the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. God made first things holy. God gave the first things power to influence. Now, I want you to take a moment here, and I'm going to give you a little. I'm going to give you a little illustration. Everybody, look down under your chair, and there is a little prize for you, kids. You can look under your chair. This is something taped right to your chair. Do you see that? It's a nickel and five pennies. It's a nickel and five pennies. You take those, take those, take that nickel and five pennies out. All right. Now, be warned. My son swallowed a nickel. No eating the nickels, people. It took like six weeks to get it out of his system. Kept having to go get x-rays and all that stuff. It was just bright as the sun sitting in those x-rays, you know. There it is. It's still moving around. I want you to take the, the, the nickel and the five pennies. I want you to take that in your hand. And I want you to understand what God is asking of you here. What, how do you put God first? How do you put God first in your money? I believe, I believe that tithing is not just an Old Testament idea. I think, it, I think it survives the Old Testament, and it is a principle that we see all through the Scripture. In fact, in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus affirms the idea of tithing. He's arguing with the Pharisees, but he says, you should tithe, but you should also take care of people. You should also be concerned about loving others. He's saying you should do both. Some people like to say, oh, that's all law. We don't have to do, we don't have, listen, it's not about, it's not about law. I'll get to that in just a second. Here's what the tithe means, a tenth, a tenth. It means one-tenth. I want you to take one penny, one penny, and just hold it up. That is your tithe. That is your first fruits out of the dime that I just gave you. And look, look how little it is. It's not very much. You have nine pennies left. 
Somehow we get so consumed in our brain, oh, I gotta have it all. I don't know, have you seen my electric bill? Oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? Here's the principle. I think the principle is alive and well today because God wants to tell you he can do more with 90 than you can with 100. He can do more with the 90 that he's given you. It all belongs to him. All you're doing is you're giving back to say, God, you have first place in my finances. You have first place, and you're giving it to God. That's one of the challenges. Sometimes we have two groups of people. We have one group of people that are consumed with their money that they have, and we have one group of money that's consumed with money they don't have. Both groups can obey this principle. Tithing is giving God the first 10%. You know why God gives? You know why God uses a percentage? So we can all do the same thing. So it can apply to our lives no matter what. It's a percentage. Every one of you can obey this idea. Every one of us can do this. We can all do it together. Now, here's the problem. Sometimes you're tempted to pay everything else first and then see if there's something left over to give God. Tithing is not that. That's, that's a gift, no doubt about it, still good. But tithing is taking something first and giving it up. Taking it, taking it first and saying, God, I belong to you, this is yours. I give this to you, help me to make the other part stretch. Help me to trust you. Tithing is about love, not law. It's about expressing your relationship to God. It's about saying, I love you so much. I honor you in my life. I want you in my life. And here's the proof. Boom. The first check, your checkbook, you sit down and you go, we don't do checkbooks very much anymore. If you're a young person, you can ask your parents about what a checkbook is. But, <laughs> but we write the, that first check. I, I always pay all my bills online, so when I receive whatever comes in, I go to the computer, and the first thing I do is I go through and I click and I give. I just choose it first, and when I've got a list of things, I'm sitting down to pay bills, and I've got all these, I pay, I offer, I give my tithe first. It's trust. It's confidence in God. Now, here's the last, last thing I want to say, and then we'll close. Now, the order of this is important. That's why I'm highlighting this. The order, doing it first, is important. Why? Because here's what you can do with money, all right? Here's all the things you can do with money. Look at this. You can spend it. You can buy clothes. You can buy golf clubs. You can buy awesome shoes, ladies. You can buy bags and purses. You can, you can buy Torchy's tacos. Yes. <laughs> you can spend it. You can use it to repay debts. You can use it to repay debts. All the bills that you have, listen, you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to pay the bills that you have. You can also, number three, you can pay taxes with it. Well, you're going to pay taxes with it. <laughs> you're going to pay taxes, and it's part of life, and you can, you can do that with it. Number four, you can save or invest it. You can save it or invest it, which is a good thing to do. Puts money away for the future. Or number five, you can give it. You can do all these things with your money. Now, unfortunately, most people, this is the order that they do it in. And it says to God, you're my leftovers. I'm going to give you something once I have something left. You're, you're, you're going to just, I, I, I love you. I want to serve you, but I really can't 
make you first in this area. I just want you to have the leftovers. Listen, when I invite people over to our house and we eat together, it, wouldn't it be weird if they came in the door and they sat down at a table and we were like, eh, we're looking for some stuff in here. I think we had this last night and then the night before, oh, this is, eh, this is a week old. It'd probably be all right. Here you go. When I invite people over to our house, we make something new. We don't give them the leftovers. This is, this is the relationship God wants. And here's what it takes. It requires faith to believe that he's going to care for you. Final verse, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Here it is. It's the same passage. We go back to Matthew 6, if you're still there. Back to Matthew 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and, what does it say? Mammon or money. He didn't say you can't serve God in hobbies. You can't serve God in family. You can't serve God in your work. He didn't say all that. He said you can't serve God in money because money grips us like no other. He says, essentially, I want to be number one. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? Oh, my grandma told me, worrying's like a rocking chair. You're moving a lot, but you're not getting anywhere. You worry don't worry. See how the lilies grow in the field. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow's thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. I want you to believe today. I want you to trust God today. I want you to be willing to trust him, to give, to give the first fruits of your life. He says, look, I know what this is, how this works. He says, don't worry. What should we say? Um, we, we, what should we eat? What should we drink? What will we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Would you just close your eyes and bow your heads? Everybody across the room, let's just pray. God wants to be at the top of your list. This is one way that we do that. You know, salvation is the same thing. Really, salvation, when we talk about being rescued from your sins, when you, when you come to God, you surrender everything. Salvation is about making God first. Look, you know what the Bible says? The demons believe there's a God. The demons believe that it's not enough to just believe that there's a God. What we're talking about is making him first, trusting him with everything, being willing to surrender and give to him. Most people have God on their list. Question is, where does he rank? He doesn't want to be believed in. He wants to be trusted in. All across the room, maybe you're here today, and this is a moment for you to trust God and to say, I, 
God, I wanna make you first in my life. I've been away from you. Maybe you find yourself here at church for the first time in a long time, but you hear God speaking to you and he's calling you to himself, to relationship. I'm not gonna embarrass anyone here. I'm not gonna call you forward, but I want you to make a commitment if that's you today. If you realize I wanna put God first in my life again. I wanna surrender to him in every way, in every area. I realize God doesn't need my stuff. It's really about me. It's really about me just trusting him giving everything to him you want to make a recommitment to that today you want to say God come into my life in a very real way and become first in every way pray for me pastor let me help me strengthen me I come back to you today if that's you across this auditorium I just want you to lift your hand in the up in the air and say yeah pastor pray for me yep I see you back here anybody else yep over here yep anybody else over there yep it's great Awesome. Anybody else? Just lift up your hand and say, yep, I'm coming back to making you first in my life. Now here's what I want you to do. I want all of us to just pray together. Why don't you say these words after me and we'll just pray a simple prayer. Mix it with faith and say it to God. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. You gave first to me. Now I want to give everything to you. Rescue me. Save me. I surrender. Forgive me for my failure. All my sins, I lay them down at the foot of the cross. I give you everything. Take charge of my life. Make me a new person. Help me, Jesus, to put you above all else. I follow you all the days of my life. Father, I pray for every person that prayed this prayer today, some for the first time, some for the first time in a long time. I pray that you would meet them right where they're at, that you would surround them and encourage them, give them grace, protect them from the wicked one that would want to overwhelm them, consume them, help them to look to you as their provider, their sustainer, their strength, Thank you for renewing our hearts today, making you first, putting you in the first place. We love you and we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.